I, I want to go through the Bible. We're going to go through some uh, different chapters tonight and just to give you an idea of what I'm planning on doing with this series. It, it, it helped me of all that I'm fake going, but I, I, I've really had to get in the Bible and ask God to help me. And uh, I came to the scripture, Psalms 121. Psalms 121. And I read it. And if you don't get nothing out of this sermon, of these series, you're going to learn a new scripture. If you don't get nothing else, you're going to get, you'll learn a new scripture. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which had made heaven and the earth. Let's read that again. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my help come. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and the earth. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, thanking for all that you do. Lord, we thank you for your words. Lord, we just, uh, uh, Lord, just uh, open our hearts and let us be refreshed in your words and let it be so real to us, Lord, that when we leave, we know that we are a child of God and we know that you are still in control, Father. And we'll praise you for that. Don't empty me yourself and give me your spirits. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I'm sure the psalmist, being that the psalms is, is a song of degree, if you look at the title of the most uh, of these, it says, A Song of Degree. A song of degrees when they were making their ascent to the, the uh, temple or the tabernacle to worship. And I'm sure the hill he was thinking about is Mount Zion uh, Hill, the hill which the temple was constructed at Mount Moriah. And he said, I am going toward the hill because that is where my help comes from. I'm looking for that. That's where God is at. Uh, I'm looking at that hill. That is where the temple is at. And that's where my help is found at, at the temple. Looking at the verse, help from the hills, finding the help in the hills, you'll find throughout the Bible uh, where there were hills and the events that were surrounding the, these hills. Uh, uh, so preaching on help from the hills. There are, uh, there are hills in the scripture that I believe that if we'll take notice and look at all the things that's going around that hill, and we can get some help from us tonight. And we need help in this day that we live in today. If we get our eyes focused on these hills and looking at the things that surrounding them, I believe the Lord will help us. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. And the first hill that I want to look at tonight We'll find in Exodus chapter 17. Amen. Exodus chapter 17 tonight. We'll list the first one. Keep your Bibles open because there's more places we're going to turn to. Exodus 17. <laughs> oh, man. Here in Exodus, you'll find the word hill singular mentioned, and you'll find hills mentioned in Genesis, uh, 
but they're not a pacific hill. But what we find here, this is a pacific hill is mentioned here in Exodus 17. That I believe we can get some help from tonight. Here in verse 9 and 10, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose you out men and go out and fight Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses had said in him. He fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur and went up on top of the hill. Moses told Joshua to go out and pick his men to fight. He'll be standing on top of the hill. And in verse 10, Moses said, and when he did, he said he would do this. And Aaron and Hur went up with the top of the hill and there was a fighting going on at the bottom of the hill. Uh, so the first hill we find is the battle, the hill of combat. After God's people comes out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea in chapter 15. We find them singing about it. They're joyous. They're happy and rejoicing about it. But in chapter 16, they find that they were given manna from heaven. In chapter 17, they're getting water out of the rock. But they're about to find out the same thing you find out when you live for God long enough, any length of time, that living for God, walking with the Lord, is not always going to be a Red Sea crossing. Living for God is not always going to be a Passover lamb and shouting. Living for God is not always going to enjoy the blessings of God coming down from heaven. And the blessings of God coming from strange places. But a lot of walking with God will be pure out combat tonight. They, they're finding out uh, not long after they're beginning with walk with God. They're, find, they're going to be, uh, have to go through some fights along this journey. They're going to have to fight on their way to the promised land. There are going to be some uh, times a sword is going to have to be drawn. Courage has to be summoned and grit has to be attained. Trust has to be put in the Lord and you have to strike out when you don't want to. I'm telling you tonight, a lot of Christian life is a life of combat this evening. We talk about Jesus giving us rest for our souls. How many of you know that you're right smack dab in the middle of his spiritual combat tonight. Life combat all around us. You can get God still gives you peace in the midst of the combat. Still giving comfort in the middle of the combat. And that is a lot of what the Christian life is, walk, is like. There is no accident that uh, much of Paul's writings talks about military Mindset, spiritual warfare, Christian warfare. He, he said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, no man a warrant and entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Paul tries to let every Christian know that it, it ain't all rainbows cotton candy, cake, and ice cream. It's going to be a fight. We're going to have to have a fight. A lot of Christians' life is nothing but straight-up combat against the world, against the flesh, against the devil. And the sooner we get that in our mindset, 
that we're not on a playground. We're on a battleground. And we face real enemies, real, real soldiers fighting real enemies tonight. As soon as we get that in our minds, the easier it will be for us to understand it ain't time to quit. It ain't time to get up. It ain't time to throw the towel in. It is time to just go forward for God. Like I said, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 12, they're fixing to go out and fight one of their enemies. The commander said, be of good cheer. Let us play the men of our people. For the cities of a God and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. What he's saying is, it's time for us to be men. We've got families to fight for. We've got a church to fight for. We've got Christian people to fight for. It is time for us to be real men and women in the church and stand up and fight. We're in a warfare. Sometimes you're going to have to draw your sword. Praise God, I got my sword. You got your sword. Sometimes you're going to have to draw your sword and use your sword to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil tonight. It's a real fight we're going into tonight. But I find that we can get some help from this hill of combat that we read about. We see Christ on the hill of combat. You see Joshua's on the hill. His name is is on the, in the Old Testament a name for Christ Jehovah saves, the Holy Ghost one. You know, a man is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by accident. We find in verse 6 and 7, the rock that he, we talked about, thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. And the people drank, and Moses did in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of that place Manasseh and Meribeth because the ch- uh, ch- uh, childing of the children Israel, and because they tempered the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? That's the first, the next verse you read the name Joshua. Joshua's mentioned in the next text. I'll tell you, you another way that he is a picture of Christ, Moses is the picture of law. Amen. He can't get them into the promised land, he gets them to the door, but he can't. But the law can't get you in. The law cannot get you into heaven. Moses is the law. uh, And Moses brought them through the the wilderness. Moses brought them out of Egypt. uh, But because of Moses uh, uh, not being obedient to God, God said, you're not going to take them in. So the law could not take you into the promised land. So there was one that stood up and says, I'll take them in. Joshua said, you know, I'll take them in. I'll go the rest of the way. I'll go with it. I thank God what the law could not do, Christ did. When the law brought us to that doorstep, when the law brought us to that very threshold to get into the promised land, it says, I can't go no further. Christ says, I'll bring them in. Christ says, I'll bring them in. So we see Joshua is a picture of Christ tonight. I'm telling you, he's a preacher of Christ in the combat. In verse 9, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose you out, men, and go out and fight Amalek. Well, our Savior did the exact same thing. He came down from the hill of Zion and went out and chose 12 men to go out and fight, to teach the Bible, preach the gospel, lead people to Christ. They went out preaching because when they went out preaching, I'm in. You're in. Amen. 
Notice when Joshua goes out and gets these men, he doesn't let them fight alone. Joshua fights alone beside them. He goes with them. I'm glad tonight I am fighting the flesh. I'm weary and I can't go on my own. But I'm glad there's a heavenly Joshua standing beside me. He knows what I'm going through. He says, I'm on your side. I'm not going to let you go that by yourself. I'll be right there with you. You just, hey, hold on. I'm on my way. I'll be right there for you. Don't give up. It ain't time to throw the towel in. It ain't time to back in. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is on your side. I'm so glad. He's another picture of Jesus on the hill of our combat when Joshua goes down to fight Amalek. Up on the hill, there's these fellas, Moses, Aaron, and Hur. I've heard preachers preach it this way. That's the pastor and the, and the people holding them up. That's, that's, a, good, that's a, a good rendition. I don't see it that way. I look at it a different way. I, I see Moses on the hill. I see Aaron on the hill. I see it this way. Soldiers go up and wrestle the men. They're on the hill wrestling with God. I see Moses as being the law. I see uh, Aaron as the priest. I see her as the helper. That's what we got tonight. We got Jesus Christ on the right-hand side of the Father. He's our high priest. Oh, when he raised his hands, <laughs> you are in victory. You are in victory. We find Christ on the hill of combat. We find the contenders on the hill. Look at verse 8. Then came Amalek, and he fought with Israel at Rephidim. Do you see who the contender is? It is the enemy of God. It's the enemy of God. That will be an enemy for a long time. It's a time, it's an enemy known as Amalek. Who is the contender? What strength can we draw from this? Let me say, if you know your enemy and you know their strategy, that will help you a lot when it comes to combat against them. That is why the Bible has a lot to say about the, that, the world. And say about your flesh. Has a lot to say about the devil. But let you need to understand what kind of contender is against you so that you know how to fight and combat and stand against them tonight. These people, Amalek, is a picture of the flesh. All through the Bible, you, there are pictures of flesh. You, you'll mark it down. The biggest fight that you're going to face in combat in the Christian life will not be against the world, uh, will not be a, 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 a against even your, yourself, it will not be against the devil, it, even though he's against you. The biggest fight everyone has to face tonight, no matter how old you are or how young you are, the biggest fight you're going to face tonight is the flesh. Every morning you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and say, here I am. That is the flesh. That is the one that you're going to have the most problem with every day. Every step in your life is the one that you're looking at in the mirror. Your biggest enemy in your life tonight is you. It is you. We are our biggest enemies. We are our biggest threat. We give the devil too much credit. The devil will sit by. He'll take it. 
but it's us who's causing it. Ain't it something in the chapter 16 that was eating bread from heaven? Manna came down from glory world, chapter 17, they were drinking water from a rock. Both of these are pictures of the word of God. Well, it's, word of God is pictures as bread, and word of God is pictures as water. They have taken in so much of the word of God that they're a fool now. They're a fool now. And as soon as they start getting full on heavenly food, heaven's food has been laid out, Amalek shows up. Mark this down. The more you try to live for God, the more you try to get the word of God in your life, your marriage, your home, your flesh will pop up and try everything it can to hinder you, to stop you. It don't want you to read the Bible. It don't want you to go to church. It don't want you to pray. Every time you try to get God more in your life, your flesh will come against you. The flesh doesn't like Bible preaching. I'm just telling you that. It don't. It don't. The flesh don't like good gospel singing. Every time God starts to minister to the spiritual man, then comes Amalek. Then comes Amalek. Look at Genesis chapter 36. Well, there's some names in this chapter here. It just makes you go, ooh. But I, I just read, look down there and uh, look at verse number 16. These are the descendants of Esau. And down in verse 16, Duke Karath, Duke Gatham, and Duke Amalek. See, Amalek's always been there. It's interesting who these Amaleks are descended from Esau. And we see the Amalek is a descendant from the carnal individual named Esau. Do you know what the Bible said about Esau in Hebrews? It said Esau was a fornicator and a profane person. That's what the Bible says about Esau. The Bible said that about Esau in Genesis that he sold his birthright for a morsel of meat. He came out of the fields. He was hungry. He was starving. He's, he needed something. He said to his brother Jacob, who was making, cooking up some stew, said, hey, give me some of that stew or I will perish. I will die. He was only concerned about his flesh, what it was going through. And Jacob said, hey, I'll give you some, but you got to give me something. You got to give me your birthright. So he said, I'll give you my birthright for a bowl of stew. He said, I have to. I'm about to the point to die. What good is my birthright if I'm going to die so you can have it? Just give me some of that stew. Esau is the kind of person that only cares about satisfying flesh right now. And there are a lot of Christians in this world today that only care about and worried about satisfying their flesh at this very moment. They could care less about anything. It's about me. He doesn't care anything about eternal values. He'll set out, he'll set out on the eternal altar of the immediate just because his flesh. Now, now his children has popped up and they cause problems in the life of God's people. Listen to me. Your flesh is just the same way. Your flesh will produce all kinds of problems. 
If you don't think that is, you ought to look in your life. If you don't get your flesh under control, your flesh will cause you more problems in your home life, your marriage, your job. It will cause you more problems everywhere. If you don't get your flesh under control, it causes you problems with your walk with God. It, it does. It causes problems. You won't, you won't be able to fix all of them. You better watch out for that flesh. Now notice how these attenders, contenders attack. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 45. I thought about this, and I said, Lord, there are so many of the Christians here like that today. Deuteronomy chapter 25. Verse 17. Now, here's Moses rehearsing. He's remembering. He said, remember what Amalek did unto you the way when we come forth out of Egypt? How he met thee by the way and smote the hindermost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee. When thou wast faint and weary, he feared not God. So he, he's remembering he what your flesh would do. The Bible said, Amalek feared not God. Your flesh does not desire anything of God. It doesn't want anything of God, any part of God. Your flesh ain't scared of God. Amen. And if you, can't, if, you, if you ain't careful, your flesh will ruin your life. And it said Amalek showed up in the back of the hindermost part. You know what he done? It was a sneak attack. He got all those that were weary, all those that were weak, all those that are faint. And let me just say this. We've got some weary Christians in church. We've got some fainting Christians in church. We've got some that's in the hinder part. We've got some that's just, just dragging on. And that's what Amalek, that's what the flesh is trying to do to you. The flesh loves to attack the weak Christian. Anytime you try to get strong, it wants to get you weak. Everybody here has got them. Every one of us in here got some weak problems, weak places in our life. I've got them, you've got them. I ain't telling you mine, you don't tell me yours. It's going to be with your eyes, your mouth, or your mind. And if you just and sometimes it just be with the people you hang out with. Some people you just rub elbows with. They're causing you problems. I'm telling you, your flesh knows where your weakness points are. And your flesh will attack at every chance it gets. We've got to get our flesh under control. Verse 19, he said, thou shalt not forget it. He said, you better, you better not forget this. Don't Write it down. Don't forget this. And he said, rehearse it. And Joshua, let him know. He said, you, you, better not, you not, better not put confidence in your flesh. You better not put confidence in what you have done. And you better not put trust in the people again because you know what they will do. They will jump you again. Paul said, we put no confidence in the flesh. I don't care how long your flesh has been saved. You start putting confidence in your flesh. It will absolutely wipe you out. Get control of your flesh. Unless your flesh get control of you. I, I, I looked at this. Remember God told King Saul to utterly destroy Agag and all them people. Everybody. God, God told him, I want you to go in there and take you, I, I, get, get rid of all those. But what did, what did Saul do? 
He spared the king. He spared the king. Then he gets in 2 Samuel, and Saul's on the battlefield. He's getting ready. He's probably falling on the sword, and, and this young man come up to him and said, uh, what's going on? He said, uh, I want you to run me through. I want, I want to die. And Saul looks at him and says, who are you? <laughs> Boy says, I am an Amalek. I'm an Amalek. What God told Saul to destroy from the very beginning came back and got him. God can tell you there's some things in your life that you need to pluck out, get out, and destroy. Because if you don't, it can come back and hurt you to the point that he may even kill you. So when God is telling you there's some things you need to get out of your life, it's not trying to pick on you, not trying to get you uh, to bow down, but it's trying to tell you and warn you there's some stuff that you need to get out of your life. David was fighting for the Philistines against Israel. And while he was fighting, people came in and took their families captive. Who were they? The Amalekites. All through the Bible, you'll find with the Amalekites, the flesh is always popping up, doing something to God's people when God told them from the very beginning, wipe them out. God is telling you and I, we need to get rid of the flesh. You need to get the flesh under control. If you don't get it under control, it will come back and get you. There's some things in your life you need to go back. Go back to where we're at. Exodus 17. We see the contender on the hill is Jesus. We see uh, uh, that uh, Christ is on the hill. We see who we have to fight, but don't miss that the prophet Aaron is a priest, and Aaron is, comes to the tribe of Judah, and the king is tribe, so we're seated on the hill for the soldiers in the valley. We see Moses holding his hands up while his arms are held up. The children of Israel won. They kept fighting. He was interceding and pleading for the children as they're fighting there, and God intercedes and pleads for us, and He keeps fighting so that we may win. We see the commemorating on the hill of combat, verse number 14. Now, how in the world can you have a, a celebration after a battle? Well, here it is. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. Why make this hill a memorial? Why do you want to put it down in a book and rehearse it in the ears of the warrior named Joshua? Here's why you do. So remind them it's not their power. Remind them it's not their ability. Not what they've done, but what God has done for you. See, if we don't get constantly reminded, I, I find myself saying, Lord, look what I've done. I've done a good job. And if I keep saying, well, look what have I done, look what have I done, sooner or later I forget about what God has done, and I start praising myself. And, and God says, you need to write this down and memorial and, and, and rehearse it over and over. It's not your ability. It's not anything you can do. It's what I am doing with you. 
And we need to do the same thing. I need to be constantly reminded it is not my ability because I have not the ability. It's not my strength because I have not the strength. But it's God working through me and for me that gets me. It was the help of Almighty God that got them through where they were going through. If you want to beat Amalek, you want to beat the flesh, you're going to need what you do. is in verse 14. And that is a book. That is the book. Yeah. Write this for a memorial and a book. And you keep on reading this book in years and come to remind you that who I am and if you're going to find a victory on the hill of combat, you better keep rehearsing this book in your life, in your ears, over and over, not just one time, not just on Sunday morning, but day in, day night, keep it in your heart, keep living it, keep walking it, keep it where you can find it, and it will fight for you tonight. Then we see the colors on the hill. You know, in combat, there's always, a, back in the old days, Civil War, there was always a color barrier. And, and nowadays, it's the color barrier which just marches out in front of the people during parades and stuff. But in, in the old days, a color barrier was always one that held up the colors of the platoon. And, and what it was, it signified wherever that colors were, that's where I'm going. If they're going that way, I'm going with my colors. Whichever way that colors, it's always that way, it's going that way. It's called the flag. We display our colors. Here it is. Something you follow them, wherever the colors went, that's where you went. And whenever the colors stop, that's where you stop. It symbolizes who you're fighting for. It symbolizes who you belong to. You always know your colors and you know who belongs for it. At the end of all this, Moses tells them, I'm your banner. I'm your banner. I'm the one that's going to lead you into the battle. I'm the one that's going to, you're going to follow. I want to let everyone know that I am the one that you are fighting for, and I am the one that you're fighting for tonight. Moses said, God is your banner. We, we, we go through this world, and we have to fight, 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 fight. And we sometimes we get weary on the battlefield, but every time you get weary, just look up and see the colors. Remember who you're fighting for. Remember who's leading you. And remember who's fighting with you on the battlefield. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be closer than a brother. He's there with us all the time. You know what our job is? Our job tonight as Christians is to keep the Lord Jesus Christ lifted high. No matter what we face, no matter what we follow, go through, our job is to keep the Lord lifted high. And you cannot lift high up something that you don't have in you. You got to have it in you. Take the sword. Take the book. Read the book. Study and learn of him. Make him your all in all. He will be there for you. Amen. Amen.